0: This is your host, Terry Noland, and this is your community. Come on in, grab a seat, and strap in. As literacy leaders, we love books, right? Books are everything to us. Now, I will say, you may not be that person that wants to smell books and hold books and touch books, but you do understand the importance of books. I'm a literacy leader, but I don't wanna go stand in line at the bookstore for the next novel to come out, the next bestseller to come out. That's not the type of reader that I am. I am a reader to be a learner. That's what I like. I love self-help books and I love audiobooks, and it's not that I need that, Physical book and and read every moment that's spare in my day. That's not the type of reader I am, but I'm still a literacy leader. I'm still one that wants to see kids figure out their purpose for reading and and find a book, have a book. There is a book. So today we are talking about literacy leaders know the power of a book. Sometimes it may be a single book. Okay, you know what, when I was young, we didn't have a lot of books in my home. And of course, when I was young, this was well before computers and technology and phones and easy access to things. And the books in our home were the books that were on the bookshelf. I do remember that we had a set of encyclopedias. And when I was in school, I would always go to that bookshelf in the hallway, the bookshelf that my dad built, and go to that bookshelf and pull that encyclopedia off and look up, whatever it was that I was trying to study about volcanoes. And then you've got this tiny little section that gives you everything to know about volcanoes. That was the extent of, of, you know, doing research and things like that. And also on this bookshelf, we had one, one section of books was these Sesame Street books that we would get when we went to the grocery store and you bought so much and you got enough tickets. And And I remember in this series of Sesame Street books, there was an ongoing story of Penelope that Penelope, uh, I, I can't remember her last name, but she was this character in the Sesame Street story and Each week, my sister and I, we couldn't wait for Fridays when my mom went to the grocery store and got the next Sesame Street book. You may know what I'm talking about. And we would continue the story of Penelope. Also, the other set of books that was on this shelf were the Winnie the Pooh books that came along with those cassette tapes that when you got to the page, when you hear the chime, turn the page. So you would wait for that chime, turn the page. Now think about it. Do you know how many times I read those books over and over and over and over and over again? Because that's all I had access to, right? One of the things that we need to know as literacy leaders, because sometimes we get so, so bogged down in what we see on Pinterest and social media and and these vast, beautiful libraries. And that's amazing. It's wonderful when you've got vast, amazing libraries for individuals. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't take a vast library. It doesn't. And in fact, repeated readings of something, we know repeating, repeated reading works for our emerging readers, for our developing readers repeated readings. I and, and I love the notion of transactional theory where each time you read something, you learn something new. You see something different. Who I am today is I'm a different person than when I was when I read this book yesterday, a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. Transactional theory at work. It doesn't take a vast library to have power for our students with books. And in fact... So many creative people out there, so many creative people where they do book rotations or if I've got my classroom library, then I don't, we could trade books. You get these books off my bookshelf for a period of time for a month. I get your books. We trade books or we walk our classes through a different classroom and you get to choose books off this bookshelf it doesn't take a vast library. Think about ways that you can engage students in books with the resources that you have available. Audiobooks. At Learning Ally, so many of you know, we, our anchor, the core solution that we have stood on For over 75 years, is our human read audiobook solution. We have a library of over 83,000 titles. But those of you that tune in and listen to the podcast, you're going to get an insider secret here. You're going to get some insider knowledge. And that knowledge is we stand on the shoulders of this 83,000 book library. Do you know how many of those books are actually used and utilized in our schools? It's the same ones, less than 10,000. Vastness of libraries seem to impress us and wow us and oh my goodness. But you know what? It's books that are popular. It's books that are those anchor books and novels within curriculums, those are the books that are being used, the things that are popular with kids right now, books that are being turned into movies. You know what? There were, I, I learned this from Joel Mamby who is a former CEO of SeaWorld and uh, um, uh, Dolly, Dollywood. And he said this, and, and it made me think about this notion of books. And he said, when it, he, re- he wrote a book called Love Works. And in the business world, he said, we can't discount the concept of love in business because love works. Think about people, think about others more than yourself. And he he said this, he said, you know, we always want to go out there and change the world. We want to be world changers, change makers. And I urge you and encourage you to do that. But sometimes we get stalled out because we think, well, the world is too big. It, it, it's too big. I, I, I just can't tackle this. I can't be a world changer. And he said this and it impacted me. I hope it impacts you. He said, do for one What you could, what you wish you could do for everyone. Start somewhere. And for some reason, this quote just made me think about this concept of books, where we're overwhelmed, where we're, where we're standing, awe, vastness of libraries. And you know what? You're never going to be able to read all that. Maybe in a lifetime you could, but not while you've got kids in front of you. It's all, it doesn't take a vast library. It takes finding the right book for the right student. And as we move forward in this, I want to. remind ourselves, because this is the world and this is the the uh, context that I always come from, and I always come from the world of those students that are developing readers. Students with dyslexia, students that have those learning disabilities, students that aren't meeting levels of proficiency in reading for whatever reason. And uh, I, I just, when it comes to the power of a book, we got to remember so many of our students have jaded perceptions of books. Books hurt Books bring up feelings. Books make me stressed. Books make me anxious. Books are those things that I want to get away from me. I I'm not a reader. I don't see myself as a reader. I don't like books. But as literacy leaders, we know the power of a book. So what do we need to do? We don't need to march these readers into a library and say, "Look at this vast library. Look what is in front of you. Look what you have access to." No. It's not about the vastness. It's about the 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 content. The and sometimes it's about the smallness. Sometimes it's about the smallness. Right? My oldest son, I think I've shared this story before. I'm going to share it again. My oldest son when he was born, well, he was three months old when we moved to Germany and then three years old when we left. And I didn't have books in the home. So I signed up for the the book of the month where I would get a book shipped every month, the Dr. Sue series. And, and he, my oldest son, he loved the foot book. Now our bookshelf in our home, I mean, I, I could probably... There were probably, I don't know, 15, 20 books. That's it. That's it. Do you know how many times we read the foot book? Oh my goodness. Over and over, I would read it to him and him at two years old would hold that book. Turn those pages of the book. Pretend to be a reader. Books hold so much. I also want to talk about the fact of there's something about the first book you read on your own. There's something about the first book that that was read to you and that first book you read on your own. Now, you may not remember the first book you read on your own, okay? You may not. But I will tell you that many, many of our developing readers do remember the first book they ever read couple of stories here. The first book that my youngest son ever read when he couldn't read was No David. No, no David, if you've ever read it. It's just a silly little story about this little boy that gets into trouble over and over. And then he's getting in trouble by his mom all along. And, and at the end of the book, she tells him how much she loves him. Simple, simple, each page, no, David, no, David. And my youngest son, probably at two, would hold that book. And we had read it so many times that he read it, right? He he read it because he had memorized it. He knew the pages. He knew how to turn that book. Oh my goodness, the power in that. I wish I would have knew that at the time. I wish I would have known the power of what he was doing, mimicking—that's what starts your invitation into books. But there's another story I want to share with you, and that story is this: it's the story of Tristan. Tristan is an eighth—was an eighth grader. This has been many years ago. Tristan was an eighth grader, and his teacher, Miss York, worked with Tristan. Tristan couldn't read. She needed to work with him on the explicit teaching of word recognition. And she challenged him on a Friday and said, Tristan, you know what? I think there's this book that you might like. It's called Swing by Kwame Alexander. Many of you might know Kwame Alexander. He is a, a rising author award-winning author with his poetry and verse in the books that he writes. And she challenged Tristan and, and she said, I'm, I'm going to read the hardback book, the paperback book, and you're going to read the audio book. And by Monday, we're going to come in here and see who's further along. Miss York didn't need a vast library. Miss York needed a book that Tristan could get involved in, and it was written by Kwame Alexander, who is a black man. It was narrated by Michael Burgess, who is a black man. Tristan is a black young man. Tristan came in on Monday morning so excited. He said, Miss York, how far did you get? She said, I I got through a couple of chapters, and he said, I finished the book. This is the first book I ever read by myself. Do you know what that meant for that child? Books that had hurt him. Books he had been ostracized from books. He would open up a book and see tiny words, paragraphs, close that book up. Tristan read a book for the very first time when he was in eighth grade. And I'm going to tell you, he will never forget that book. He will never forget that feeling. He will never forget that moment. We want that moment for every single one of our kids. Every single one. All right. What else when it comes to the power of a book? Doug Reeves, who has done a lot of work in the area of leadership and and what that means when it comes to education, I was attending a conference where he was presenting, and and just so happened to be able to walk in and be a part of his session. And he said something that, once again, you know, just pushed my thinking to the edge because I had done some research around motivation for students. What motivates students? And one of the things that I found in the research, because there are big effect sizes when it comes to motivation of students, and that is student choice. And I've presented webinars about this and touted this, that yes, students need choice. And I'm I'm still a fan of this. Yes, students need choice when it comes to books, because I'd already told you I like self-help books. But don't give me a book on astrology. I mean, that that may be, that may suit your fancy and you get fired up about books about astrology. But that is not going to appeal to me. And in fact, you know what's going to happen when you hand me a book on astrology and ask me to read it? I'm asleep by the first page. So yeah, okay, choice matters. But here's what Doug Reeves said that I thought, OK, this is why I need to surround myself myself with people bigger and better than me. He said, what motivates students is not choice. It's competence. It's competence. Give me a book on astrology, I don't have the competence for that book, because I don't know the terms. I don't know when you start talking about galaxies and stars and you know, all of these things. And uh, I don't have the background knowledge for it. I don't have the understanding for it. No, I'm not going to be motivated. But when you give me a book, a self help book, I do have those things. I've got the background knowledge. I've got the schema. I've got all of these things that allow me to advance my competence in that book. I feel fulfilled. Interesting thinking, right? Very interesting thinking. What motivates students is not choice, it's competence. Our students are craving competence. They are craving it. There is a deep desire for competence. I just want to feel competent when I read this. That comes with finding the right book. And that leads me into what Dr. Ortlieb, uh, Dr. Ortlieb is, uh, he is a lead author on the paper that comes out every year, what's hot and what's not in literacy that the, that the International Literacy Association puts out. And he says, there is a book for every child Every child. Think about that for a minute with every child. Every child that's not meeting levels of proficiency in reading. Every child that has been jaded. Every child that has been ostracized. Every child that has been cut deep by a book. There is a book for every child. And one of the things that... I'll share with you. You probably know some of these people that will say definitively, there was a book for me and I found that book or somebody gave me that book. One example I do want to share with you is a colleague of mine. And she shared with me that when she was young, I think 10 or 11, so young, young, her mother passed away. She didn't know other kids in her school whose parent had passed away. She would go talk to the counselor, but and, and got some comfort and and some solace there. But still, there's this n- nobody was like her. Nobody, nobody felt what she was feeling. Nobody understood what was going on, on on her inside. Nobody knew what it was like to lose a mom. And she said, "I found." Somebody in a book. A book saved my life. I've heard this story repeated over and over. There is a, a, a singer, David St. Romain, who I was able to have a conversation with, and he talked about the same thing. He had went through trauma in his life. He had went through hurt in his life, and he said he found comfort in a book. He saw himself there. When nobody else, when only everybody else could see the outside, a book saw your inside. That's what it was for Heather, my colleague. That's what it was for David. That's what it is for so many of our students. It may have been the same for Tristan. There is power in books. Power in books. Something else I'll share that I've noticed over the years when it comes to books and and it relates to that Sesame Street book that I was telling you about earlier when I couldn't wait for that next Friday when my mom would get home from the grocery store and that story of Penelope continued. Oh, it was a cliffhanger. This is the power of a series of books. One of the students that I tutor that, that, oh my goodness, she has graduated from my program at this point. She's done so well. And one day she came in and we were having a conversation about library day. Oh, okay. Just hit me guys. I need to do a podcast about library day. Okay. I'm writing that one down. So anyway, she comes in, she talks about library day and uh, she was frustrated. And I said, okay, tell what's going on. She said, "Well, because I'm at a a three point two, and I'm I'm reading the Boxcar Children. I love it, love the Boxcar Children series. And I'm at a three point two, but the next book was at a three point eight, and my teacher wouldn't let me get it. That's why that's why books hurt. That's why books cut. That's why uh, the flawed." application of leveling was applied there not going to curse the teacher I'm going to shine a light Uh, you know curse the darkness I'm going to shine a light here okay don't uh uh-uh That child should have gotten access to that book. Maybe she couldn't have decoded at her level. Then give her the audiobook. Don't let that book cut. Don't let that book hurt. Don't let that book stall someone because man, she was ready for it. She was invested in the series just as much as I was invested in the story of Penelope and couldn't wait for a Friday to come. Know the power of a book. Be transformed yourself by the power of a book. I have been. I mentioned the book, Talk Like Ted. I'll, I'll mention that over and over. Talk Like Ted by Carmine Gallo. Start With Why, Simon Sinek. They're, I mean, I could, I could go on and on. Good to Great, Jim Collins. All those self-help books that I get so inspired by. They change me. They feed my inside when people in the world only see my outside. Literacy leaders, if you haven't found your book, find it. Literacy leaders, if your student, if your staff hasn't found their book, encourage them to do so. Books change, books transform. There's power in a book. Thank you for going on the journey today. Thank you for being present. Thank you for continuing to grow and learn. If we are gonna make an impact on education, create significance in the lives of our students, we need you. If you wanna learn more about Learning Ally, visit us at learningally.org and be a part of a transformational community.